Greetings. This is Gary Rogowski for the Northwest Woodworking Studio. Today's podcast is entitled Observe, the Woodworker in Captivity. It is known that the woodworker is a charming beast, seen in captivity in a small shop of his or her own, whether it's a little shed behind the house, a converted garage, a basement workshop. Whether this woodworker prefers open space or a dimly lit corner, they are lovely to watch and enjoyable to observe in their preferred habitat as they work on some small project at the bench, muttering and patting about the small room, talking to themselves, performing some kind of operation on a piece of wood or a project. It's really quite amusing and and worth the trip to see one at work. I can't recommend it enough. So let's have a chat about what you might see. The woodworker in captivity is uh, usually uh, not a tall individual, uh, wearing dungarees, ripped blue jeans, overalls, a uh, full chest apron perhaps is, is tied over them, behind them, or a shorter waist apron is, is worn to carry around measuring devices and such. Uh, plaid shirts are welcomed in their midst. Uh, as are sweatshirts and baseball caps, preferably Cubs caps. Glasses are usually worn as their eyesight is bad. And the look on most of their faces is one of concentration, far-off considerations and judgment, deliberate judgment. It must be observed that the woodworker in captivity does seem to be inordinately fond of his or her tools on the wall. They keep them close by where they can be seen and touched. They will talk to these tools. They will fondle them. They will look them over, pick one up, and set it down. Pick up another and set it down. It is as if they're almost mentally counting all their tools and checking in on their health. As if to, as if they're saying, let's see, is this one here? Yes, it is good. And how about this one? Yes, good, it's here. How do you feel? Are you all right? And you? And you? Do you feel good? They treat their tools with an inordinate amount of interest. They don't act this way towards their dog, a spousal unit, or even the television or radio that they might have close by in their den or workshop. They're deeply interested in their tools and their condition. A new tool brings a round smile to their face. On the other hand, harming a tool is a cause for great consternation. A huge despair. Consider what happens when a tool is dropped onto a concrete floor. If you've never observed this, you must see this happen. And just as an aside, I must point out that concrete seems to be magnetic with these steel tools. It seems to possess a a quality of attraction uh, to a steel edge tool that nothing else does. When a tool is dropped or when it leaps from the bench onto a magnetic concrete floor, oh, the wailing and gnashing of teeth of the woodworker, the hands to the head, the disgust, the self-disgust. Well, presumably this is disgust, as the tool is never reprimanded for the leap, nor is gravity chastised for the pull. It appears to be always some form of self-castigation that keeps the woodworker occupied until the damage is assessed and the tool picked up and addressed and comforted and told that everything will be all right. The woodworker in captivity is also to be found walking aimlessly about their space in search of something. This something could be their glasses, which will be found usually on their forehead. Give them time. Do not point out the obvious to a woodworker. They are sensitive. Give them time, and they will eventually find their glasses. Be patient. Or it could be the pencil they search for that is stuck behind their ear. Or a piece of wood that they have just picked up at the table saw and then talking to their 
tool. They bring this piece of wood back to their bench, set it down, go back to the saw, still talking with this tool, and then come back to the bench and search for that piece of wood for 15 minutes before they find it there on their bench. It is, of course, a great temptation to point out the whereabouts of the missing item, but then one would miss the hilarity of watching the semi-intelligent two-legged creature peruse the entire space looking for things just in their grasp. Most times they find the missing tool, the stick, the piece of sandpaper right on the bench in front of their eyes, within reach. The short-term memory loss may be associated with this preoccupation or love of tools, but further research needs to be done. Woodworkers will all of a sudden tear about the room looking for something or another. It is hard to know whether this will be a tool, a piece of wood, or what is called a jig. Although dancing a jig is something usually not seen among the woodworkers we have observed in the Pacific Northwest, more often they can be found waving their arms about, looking up to the skies or down to the floor, or bellowing at something or someone in the heavens. Presumably, different deities are being invoked, so it is unknown still to the observing scientific community whether these gods are shared ones or whether they are personal to each and every woodworker. It is unknown to us still whether they are beseeching a woodworking god, a woodland nymph, or are simply praying to a deity for another piece of wood to slaughter. It is too early in our research to completely determine this, and more study is required. Woodworkers, we have noticed, will stare at a small object on their bench for half an hour or more as they busily work its surface, or maybe its interior, their face screwed up in concentration and intent, before suddenly throwing this object away from themselves in anger. What could it have done? What was its offense? It has never spoken. It seemed to do no harm. The woodworker in captivity never seems to explain these sudden outbursts. It is simply what is done. How can a piece of wood, once held so lovingly in their hands, one moment be cast aside so vehemently the next? It is as if somehow... Something has offended the woodworker at the bench, and it is no longer permitted to be close. Be out of range when these incidents occur. If you are lucky enough to find a woodworker at work in his native habitat and yet unaware of your presence, they will generally seem to be engaged in small and mindless activity that seems to please them. Do not disturb them at this time. Their concentration is your friend and protects you as you watch. It takes them miles away from the scene, even though they do not move from their perch. It is better still, it is safer still, to have a viewing screen to observe from behind it so as to be safely away from any thrown bits of wood, the occasional hammer, or a screwdriver. Boy, watch out for those screwdrivers. Those things are missiles. Woodworkers are known to break down into tantrums of disgust and disgruntlement that are amusing to watch, but only from a distance, or as I say, from behind a screen. Most of them have pretty good arms, so be aware. If a woodworker does spy you watching, whether it's you were wearing bright clothing or the flash of a camera light, they will immediately turn to something at the bench and try to ignore you, or the fact that you have been seen by them. They will act nonchalant, pretend to be listening to music then, as if nothing has happened. It is best to simply back away, as the woodworker then will not be displaying any normal activity for you to observe. He will be in a self-conscious mode and may even have to leave the area abruptly to go hide in their safe cave for a time until they think you are gone. They are sensitive. But if the observer is cautious, if the observer is careful, then sneaking up on a woodworker in captivity can be a marvelous display of bluster and bravado, loud noises and copious amounts of sawdust strewn about. A gregarious ebullience will greet you if you are familiar to the woodworker and shy diffidence if you are not.
Here is what I suggest for the best results when considering a tour of one in captivity. Give them free room to roam, their space, tools to play with, a bit of wood, and that woodworker is never bored. Yes, even though he's confined to those four walls, it is safer for him, we believe. We are convinced he will live a longer life there in the zoo than out in the wild. It is remarkable to see them in this habitat, so docile and sometimes willing, really willing to show you around. But don't sneak up on one when one of them is operating a machine or is deep in a glue-up. They can be very dangerous at this time. They will bite. You need to be careful of that. Normally speaking, a woodworker in captivity is a friendly, welcoming animal. Just approach them with caution. And if you do approach with beer, they will stop what they're doing and consider going outside with you. But you can't push them too far, too hard. They get a little nervous when they get too far from their their veldt, their home savanna, as it were, their bench. You can't push them too far from it. They get uncomfortable rather quickly. They're not very comfortable around people. So don't take too many photographs of them. The light bulbs will disturb and startle. Be careful of sneaking up on them, as I say, when they're involved in a machine operation because they will turn and bite you. Other than that, lavish praise works. Lavish praise works well to tame some, and then it doesn't work well with some others. This is the dilemma we face with the woodworker in captivity. It's hard to read them sometimes. They, they all look the same, and yet they, they need to be approached differently. Some will love to hear their work praise, while others will not only remind you what crappy work they do, they will disagree with your statement that the work is good and then point out every mistake they made in the project, and even some they did not. But no matter. The woodworker in captivity is truly a marvel to behold. You must see one soon. See what I'm talking about, because it's, uh, it's really something. This has been Gary Rogowski for the Northwest Woodworking Studio. I hope you'll continue to listen to our podcast. Our website is northwestwoodworking.com. We have classes and workshops coming up. Please check them out. Our next podcast will be on the topic, 10 Tools to Take With Me to a Desert Island. Jean-Philippe suggested I talk about one of my favorite tools, and then I thought, well, you know, I have more than just one, so why limit it to just one? I'll talk about the 10 I must take to an island with no electricity, just my hand tools. Which 10 would I take? Join us then. Thank you.